Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah 62. And in just a moment, I'll be reading from verse 1, and we'll walk through the chapter. I had the time, just one of the best times I've had in a long time yesterday, in Nauvoo, Tennessee. How many of you know, now you really know where Nauvoo is. Does anybody know where Nauvoo is? Well, good. I've got something on almost all of you. All right. Spring Hill Baptist Church was the first church I ever preached at 46 years ago. And uh, here's, there's the picture of it right there. And I did, and, and if you can read on the back, that water tank says Vu-Na, but that's because it's kind of backwards. It says Na-Vu, all right? So uh, I got to preach there yesterday. And I remember, somebody said, well, do you remember what you preached on 46 years ago? I said, I sure do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. I preached everything I knew in 10 minutes. You said, boy, we wish we were having that today. Amen. That ain't going to happen today. I know more now than I knew then, all right? But uh, I just had a, a blast. About uh, 45 men there, pastor asked me to come, and I said, man, I'll do it. And I had a, a wonderful time. That has nothing to do with the sermon. I just thought I'd share it. All right. Isaiah 62. Have you ever noticed how much the tiny nation of Israel, how much attention it receives in daily news. And when you think about the landmass of Israel, the United States is more than 400 times larger than Israel. And in population, there are just over 9 million people in modern Israel. In America, we have 350 322 million more people living in America than they have living in Israel. And yet, nevertheless, God has said this about that tiny nation in the Middle East. Listen to this, Zechariah 2, verses 7 and 8. Ho, that is, listen, Zion, that's Jerusalem, Israel. He who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Don't mess with Israel. Israel is the apple of his eye. That's the little shaded part of your eye. And God loves that territory. He loves that place. That's why we call it the Holy Land. People ask me, where's your favorite place on the planet? And by God's grace, Don and I have been able to go to several places. But without a doubt, Israel and there the Sea of Galilee. I love the Sea of Galilee. I love Israel. It's the apple of God's eye. It's where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sojourned. It's where David and Solomon were kings. It's where all the mighty prophets preached and prophesied. It's where Jesus Christ was born. It's where he lived for 30 years. It's where he died on a cross to save us from our sins. It's where he rose from the dead. 
and it's the place from which he ascended back to heaven from the Mount of Olives. And on that same Mount of Olives, praise his dear name. One of these days, Jesus who left this earth is coming back to this earth and his nail scarred foot will set down upon the Mount of Olives, the Bible tells us at his second coming. It's the greatest place on earth, Jerusalem, call it Zion. The Bible calls it Zion all the time. Israel, greatest place on earth. So today, I want to talk to you about praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Praying for the peace of Jerusalem. If you don't pray for God to put His shalom upon Jerusalem, I want you to start today. God blesses people who pray for Israel, who pray for Jerusalem, who pray for Zion. And in our text, you're going to see momentarily, right in the middle of Isaiah 62, God says, I have called my watchmen and they will never be quiet. They will cry out day and night, talking about people not who are watching on a literal wall, but watching on a spiritual wall, praying for the nation of Israel. And I have been on that wall for a while. I hope that you'll be on that wall. I hope you'll be a watchman. I hope that you'll be a prayer warrior. And in your prayer time, make just a little time every day to pray for the peace, the shalom of Israel. First thing I would share with you is this. If you want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you should pray for Jerusalem's purity. Pray that the people of Jerusalem will turn to the Lord. Isaiah talks about that in Isaiah 62. Look at verse 1. For Zion, or Jerusalem's, or Israel's sake, I will not be silent. I will not keep silent. For, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. What a beautiful phrase. The people of Jerusalem, Israel in the Old Testament, just like all of us, they struggled with sin. How many of you struggle with sin? Raise your hand. Now, the ones that didn't raise your hand, you really struggle with sin. All right. Because <laughs> you just sinned. All right. Jerusalem was located on several mountains. Uh, you've heard these names before. Mount Moriah was where um, Abraham was asked to offer up his son Isaac, and he didn't have to because God had a, a ram there to take uh, his place. But uh, Isaac was, don't you know Isaac was proud to see that goat, amen? Don't you know? He was. And on Mount Moriah, is where Jesus would be crucified. But Mount Moriah was the Temple Mount. And the Mount of Olives, again, is where Jesus, it's from which, the, the mountain from which Jesus ascended to heaven. And then it's the mountain where he'll come back when he returns at his second coming. Mount Zion is a synonym for uh, Jerusalem and also for the Holy Land of Israel. David captured Jerusalem at one time. He captured them from the wicked Jebusites. They were in charge of 
the place called Jerusalem at first, and they taunted David and said, you'll never get in here. Well, David said, yes, I will. And he did. And he named it another synonym for Jerusalem, the city of David. So it's Zion, it's Jerusalem, it's the city of David, it's the most wonderful place on earth. Throughout Scripture, it's called Zion, and again, Israel is as well. So Mount Zion referred to a specific hill in Jerusalem, and uh, Isaiah knew that, and the prophets referred to it, to Jerusalem as Zion. So here he is prophesying, and he says, I will not keep quiet until Zion's righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. I will not stop preaching the Word of God until God's people burn in their hearts with love for Almighty God. But we need some preachers like that, don't we, in America, that will not stop preaching until God's people love Him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. The nation surrounding Jerusalem knew about Jerusalem's sinfulness. But when God's people repented, those same nations would congratulate them for turning back to the Lord. That's what he was saying in verse 2, the nations will see your righteousness and all the kings will, uh, your glory, and you will be called by these other nations by a name which the mouth of the Lord will designate. Then Jerusalem would be likened to a beautiful crown of diadems. Look at verse 3, you will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. The hand of the Lord is the safest place in the universe. Wherever you are, if you're in the hand of the Lord, look at me, you're, you're more safe in some terrible spot in the nation in God's hand then you are out of God's hand in the safest part of the nation. Safety doesn't come from a physical place. Safety comes from the hand of Almighty God and a royal diadem in your hand. God's people would no longer be God forsaken, spiritually desolate because of their sins, because God was going to be married to them and they would be married to Him. Look at verses four and following, it will no longer be said of you that you're forsaken, nor to your land will it be said, any longer be said desolate, but you will be called, my delight is in her, and your land, Beulah. You ever heard that old song, Beulah? Now, if you're from Alabama, you say Beuler, all right? <laughs> Beulah land. It means married, for the Lord delights in you, and to Him your land will be married. Like a bridegroom, God's people, the people of Israel would be purified again. They would be married to the Lord, and then God would rejoice over them, verse 5, as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you, and as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride so your God will rejoice over you. Isaiah prayed fervently. He prayed 
earnestly. He prayed continually. He prayed hopefully for the purity of Jerusalem. Daniel was another prophet, just like Isaiah, who fasted and prayed for the purity of the people of God in the Old Testament. They were sinful in Isaiah's day. They were sinful in Daniel's day as well. And if you'll read, you'll read one of the greatest prayers in the Bible. Go read in Daniel 9. I'm not going to read it today. I started to, but it's just a little bit too long. Verses 4 through 19. Daniel 9, 4 through 19. If you want to have a blessing this afternoon, just go and read that. And I want to say this to you. It's one of the greatest prayers you could pray for our nation in the whole Bible. I want to give it to you one more time. Daniel chapter 9, verses 4 through 19. Daniel prayed an amazing prayer, praying for Jerusalem, and he confessed the sins of Zion so that the Lord would purify them. He did it in a atoning fashion. He said, Lord, please, please. Daniel's crying out for the people of God. Please, Lord, have mercy on Zion. Have mercy on the people of God. And here's what Daniel said happened after he prayed. You know, when you pray, good things happen. <laughs> Listen to this now. Watch on the screen. Daniel 9 20 through 23, I went on praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, His holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, oh, there's the guy that told Mary that she would have a son and his name would be Jesus. He's an angel whom I had seen earlier in a vision came swiftly to me. I don't understand, but when people pray, angels move. It's all throughout the Bible. He came to me swiftly at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I've come here to give you insight and understanding. How many of you would like to have more insight and understanding in the Word of God? Amen. You need to pray. You need to pray. The moment, one of my favorite sermons is from this verse, verse 23. The moment you began praying, a command was given. When you started praying, God started answering right then. A moment you began to pray, a command from heaven was given. And now I'm here to tell you what it was. For you are very precious to God. I want to tell you, when you pray, you are very precious to Almighty God. Amen? Amen. Please pray. You'll be precious to God. Listen carefully so you can understand the meaning of your vision. When you pray, you'll understand the Word of God and the will of God more for your life. There are a lot of great things that go with prayer. So like Isaiah, Daniel prayed for Jerusalem's, for Zion's purity. You and I should pray for the purity of the United States of America. And we should pray for the purity and holiness of Christians in the United States of America. We should pray for all of our brothers and sisters here at Bellevue, but not just us. God's not a Baptist. All the people who love Jesus Christ. It's not going to be a Baptist heaven. It's going to be a Jesus heaven, all right? And we should pray. What should we pray for the Christians in America? That we would not be given over to greed, that we would stop living selfish, sinful lives. You can't be focused on yourself and be focused on Jesus and the kingdom of God simultaneously. 
get rid of the greed. And also that God will help us reject any sort of sexual promiscuity or perversion. There's a lot of perversion, sexual perversion in America. And we need to pray for God to clean it up and not for it not to be in our lives as well. And then we should pray that we would not live as hypocrite, people who wear masks. And I'm not talking about, I got in trouble. I said, well, don't be a mask wearer. I was talking about don't being a hypocrite. And somebody thought I was talking about for COVID, all right? I wasn't talking about COVID. I was talking about don't be a hypocrite, okay? I guess I'll get another letter on that one. All right, but anyway. Don't be deceptive. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be two-faced. And pray that the United States of America and the Christians in America will say no to drug abuse and drunkenness. The literal word is pharmakeia. It's a spirit of pharmakeia that is all over America today that makes people feel like they have to drink alcohol. They can't relax unless they have alcohol. I got something news for you. You don't need alcohol to settle your nerves. You need the Holy Spirit of God. That's all you need. You don't need to drink a beer and a little wine and all that other stuff. And don't talk to me about that. Don't tell me I've got liberty. You're, yeah. I see you with your chains on out there. I'm not mad at you, but I'm telling you, put that stuff down. You'll be a, listen to me, you'll be a better witness without it than with it. I don't even know why I got on that. Maybe I, get, I do too. Some of y'all needed that. Amen. You don't need wine. You need Jesus. Say no to drunkenness, pharmakeia, and then shun gossiping and slandering. All those things. Pray for that in America. Pray, oh God, let holiness come. We pray for Zion's purity. We pray for the purity of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And pray that Americans will be actively involved in Christ-honoring churches. I pray every day that God will shut down churches that don't believe the Bible, and He will let churches that do believe the Bible and that exalt Jesus thrive and grow and multiply. Nothing wrong with that, because the ones that don't believe in Jesus are not churches anyway. Just pray that those will go away and that godly churches will come. Pray that people, Christians in America, will share the gospel verbally with lost people to win them to Christ. Pray that they'll be honest and faithful in their financial dealings, that they'll pay their debts, they'll tithe to their church, and they'll do right with money. Pray that they will be faithful in their families in every way. Pray that they will serve in their local community and influence other people for Jesus Christ. Pray for Jerusalem's purity as well. Pray for the city of Jerusalem. Pray for the Jewish people. They are lost without Christ. They need Jesus. They're looking for a new Messiah when the Messiah has already come. Pray that they will repent of their sins and believe savingly in Jesus Christ. Pray for modern day Israel. Pray for the Jews there. Pray for the Muslims there. Pray that they'll be saved. Pray for the purity of Zion. Cry out to God and pray, oh God, purify modern, modern Jerusalem and all of Israel with the gospel so that people will be saved. If you want to pray for the shalom, the peace of Jerusalem, you should pray for Jerusalem's purity. No purity, no peace. No purity, no peace. All right. 
Number two, if you want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, don't just pray for Jerusalem's purity. Pray for Jerusalem's prayerfulness. Pray that God would give them a spirit of prayer. I hope that you will pray to God that He will help you pray more. Stop worrying. Worry less. Well, don't worry at all, okay? And pray more. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, Philippians says. Let your requests be made known unto God. Stop worrying. I'm talking to myself. Sometimes I worry about things. And I know when I do, I know God's saying, get on your knees and pray. Stop worrying. Don't have a foreboding spirit. What is that? Some bad's going to happen. Things are going great. Well, it won't last. Well, I tell you what, the devil will wear you out with that stuff, won't he? Don't give in to that. Just say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will what? Rejoice and be what? Glad in it. Amen. Let's give him praise right now. Just praise him right now. Amen. <laughs> you, you, you can be driving along. Now, listen, if you're driving, don't lift your hands to God, all right? Keep your hands on the wheel. But if you're driving, you can be driving along and just get happy in Jesus. Again, put the cruise control on so you won't get a ticket, all right? But just rejoice. You, you can rejoice anywhere you are. You can rejoice in the middle of the night. Now, let's look at... Uh, Pray for Jerusalem's prayerfulness. Here are two of the greatest verses in the whole Bible, verses 6 and 7. They're so good, I want you to read them with me, all right? Let's read them together. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen all day and all night. They will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Go back to verse 6, if you will. Put it on the screen. Now, what they would have, any city in the Middle East and really in that time, in ancient uh, times, they, they, they didn't have all these cameras, you know, that they could watch in some hidden room. So they had watchmen. And you go to bed at night, you want to sleep with some relative peace, you know. I know you do because a lot of you, like us, we have, you know, these alarm systems and all of that. We lock our doors. We've got dead bolts and all that stuff, you know. And maybe you don't. Maybe you sleep with your doors wide open. Well, bless your heart. <laughs> you say, I live by faith. Well, I would call it something else. But anyway, all right. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I've appointed watchmen. I've appointed watchmen. And just like they would have watchmen that would walk out and they'd be looking out in the dark. And they would look and they would look for any enemy that would be trying to come against the city. And every once in a while, every couple of hours, they would say, Shalom! And you didn't mind being awakened by that. Because what it meant was, all is at peace. All is well. Shalom! Say it with me. 
Shalom. I want you to know how to talk before you get to heaven. Amen. So God says, I've given you watchmen. I've given you people who will pray on the wall. I got on the wall several years ago and I don't want to get off the wall. I want to be a watchman. I felt a call to preach when I was a young boy, but I felt a call to pray several years ago on the wall. Keep watch. Pray. Pray for Israel. Yes. Pray for America. Pray where you live. Pray for Memphis. Don't talk bad about Memphis. Don't talk bad about, you'll reap what you sow. Don't talk bad about Memphis. If you've got nothing good to say, then just don't say anything. Pray blessings over Memphis. Pray blessings over your part of Memphis. Pray that God would use this city right in the middle of the nation to use us to take the gospel all over the world. We want to love Memphis, and we want to pray for Memphis. We want to be watchmen on the wall. And it says, give him. He says, you, you remind the Lord. You who remind the Lord. That's all prayer is, reminding the Lord. Now, God doesn't need reminding. He knows everything, but that's just the way it is. We're just reminding you, Lord. Hey, here we are in Memphis. We need some help. Take no rest for yourselves. You can have rest for several things, but don't you ever take rest from prayer. Don't you ever take rest from prayer. You always need to pray. Now look at this next. I love this. I love this. Look at this. And give him no rest. Say that with me. And give him no rest. I mean, wear God out with prayer. Amen. Just pray all the time. And he will not get worn out. Amen. He won't. He won't. He loves it. He loves it when you come to him and say, Abba, Father, I praise you. I worship you. I love you. And you just start crying out on other people's behalf. And you cry out for your needs. And you pray. And you give him glory. And you confess your faults. And you ask for forgiveness. And he fills you with the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me that's not the best part of your day. That's the best part of your day. And give him no rest. Now watch until he establishes, he gives root and groundwork and foundation and makes Jerusalem a praise in all the earth. I believe he's looking toward the time when Jesus will come and set up in Jerusalem for a thousand years. There will be no peace on earth permanently and perfectly until Jesus comes, the Prince of Peace. I preached yesterday to these 45 or 50 men in Nauvoo, Tennessee, about the prayer life of Jesus. Did you know that Jesus was the greatest watchman on the wall? Nobody watched in prayer like Jesus. He prayed every morning early early. You say, how early? Oh, we know. It was before sunrise. Mark 1, 35, in the early morning, while it was still dark, 
Jesus got up, left the house. That's some real, that's some discipline right there. He went away into a secluded place and was praying there. It means protracted prayer. Prayed every morning. I want to, how many of you want to be like Jesus? Pray every morning. He often took prayer retreats. Luke 5, 16, Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and do what? Say it out loud. Pray. Jesus prayed before he made big decisions. Before he chose his disciples, he spent the whole night in prayer. Luke 6, 12 and 13, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he had named also to be apostles. When's the last time you spent the whole night in prayer, reading the Bible, praying, listening to Christian music, worshiping God? I'm not talking about you were 30 minutes on a bunch of people that prayed all night. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when's the last time from say 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. you spent the whole night in prayer. If you've never done that, I'm telling you, you need to do it. Do it sometime. Well, how am I going to get any sleep? Well, you can take a nap for a couple hours, and I'm telling you, God will supernaturally give you strength to go through the first next day. Just take a time to spend time with God. Make time to spend time with God. Jesus prayed when he was tempted to sin. Luke twenty two forty four 44, and being in agony, he was praying very fervently. His sweat became like drops of blood falling down from the ground. When's the last time you prayed and broke a sweat? When's the last time you were that intense with prayer? And then, not only then, but he told his disciples to pray when they were tempted. He said in Matthew 26, 41, keep watching, keep praying that you may not enter into temptation. And he gave these famous words, and it's so true. The spirit is willing, say it with me now, but the flesh is weak. How many of you know the flesh is weak? Amen. That's why we need to crucify our flesh every day. Jesus also prayed while he suffered on the cross. If you're suffering, pray. Jesus prayed, Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He prayed in Matthew 27, verse 46, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? By the way, he was quoting, he was praying scripture there. He was quoting Psalm 22, verse 1. And then he prayed on the cross. The last thing he said was a prayer, Luke 23, 46. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. And guess what? He was praying scripture again. He was praying Psalm 31, verse 50. I want to say this to you. Jesus Christ prayed even on the cross. And when he rose from the dead, Jesus Christ prayed. Luke 24, 30 says, when he had finished, when he had reclined on the table, at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened. They recognized him. He vanished from their sight. He blessed the food. The, the resurrected Jesus would not put a morsel of bread in his mouth before he prayed over it. And it was when he prayed that they recognized it because they knew how Jesus loved to pray. They knew his prayer life. And guess what he's doing for you right now? He's preparing a mansion. He's 
He's doing all kinds of, he's saving people today. But he's also praying for you right now. Amen. Amen belongs there. I'll give you another shot. He's praying for you right now. Amen. Amen. Does that bless your heart? The perfect prayer warrior is praying for me and you right now. Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And he's also praying for Jerusalem, for the people to be saved there. He's we read back before he was crucified, Matthew 23, 47. I think he's still praying this prayer. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Jesus prayed and reminded the Lord. He took no rest for himself, and he gave the Father no rest. That's how you and I should pray. We should pray that God would save people in our day, that He would touch us in our lives, and that we would be able to pray for people, that we could be watchmen on the wall. If you want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you should pray for Jerusalem's purity, and you should also pray for Jerusalem's prayerfulness no purity, no peace. No prayer, no peace. And then finally, number three, if you want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you should pray for Jerusalem's prosperity. We're going to read verses 8 and following. The Lord loved and still loves Jerusalem. The Lord loves and still loves its inhabitants. The Lord loved the Jews of Isaiah's day. He loves them today, but He wants them to receive Jesus, His Son, as their Messiah and their Lord and their Savior. A Jew or a Gentile without Jesus is lost and needs Christ. Anyone without Jesus is lost. I remember somebody asked Dr. Rogers one time, do you believe that Jews who don't have Christ don't go to heaven? Dr. Rogers said, I believe if my own children don't have Christ, they won't go to heaven. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, the only way you get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father unless they come through Him. You don't get to God through Islam. You don't get to God through Judaism. You don't get to God just through rituals. You get to God through Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. He's the only way to God. He's the only way to God. So we want to pray for Jerusalem's prosperity. Look at verse 8. The Lord has sworn by His right hand, by his strong arm, I will never again give your grain as food for your enemies, nor will foreigners drink your new wine for which you have labored. But those who garner it will eat it and praise the Lord, and those who gather it will drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Go through, go through the gates, clear the way for the people, build up, build up the highway.'" 
Remove the stones. I want people to come back to Jerusalem. Lift up a standard over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, say to the daughter of Jerusalem, say to the daughter of Israel, lo, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him. This is Jesus he's talking about. And his recompense before him. And they will call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called, sought out a city not forsaken. Jeremiah, in his day later on, God's people were sinful. They were wicked in Jeremiah's day. And yet the Lord still wanted them to prosper spiritually. And we read in Jeremiah 29, 10 and following, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you, fulfill my good word to you, to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. You will come and do what? Say it out loud. Pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes. I will restore. God can restore everything that the devil has stolen from you. Everything. Everything. I can restore your fortunes. And will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to this place from where I have sent you to exile. I'll bring you back to Zion. I'll bring you to Jerusalem. The Lord has always wanted His people to lead prosperous, fulfilling lives. And one of the ways we do that is by praying for Jerusalem's prosperity. Now, where do I get the thing about praying for the prosperity and for the shalom of Jerusalem? From Psalm 122, just look at it on the screen. It's a short psalm. I was glad when they said to me, by the way, that's why we sang that song at the first of the service. I called Brother Mark and said, hey. He said, I'm on it. All right, good. Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that is built as a city that is compact together, to which the tribes go up, even the tribes of the Lord, an ordinance for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For their thrones were set for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Say that out loud. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now notice, here's what we're to pray. May the, they prosper who love you. Talking about Jerusalem. May peace be, that is shalom, be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say, may peace, may shalom be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Oh, Christians. Oh, Bellevue. Pray for God's people in Bellevue, but pray, pray for Jerusalem's prosperity. There is not a more important city in the world than Jerusalem. There is not a more important nation in the world than Israel. Jerusalem and Israel are more important than Washington, D.C., 
the United States of America, New York City, London, Paris, Madrid, Beijing, Tokyo, Moscow, Berlin, those are all fine. But listen, Jerusalem is the apple of God's eye. That's why he's going to make a new heaven and not a new New York. A new Jerusalem. I close with this, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven. Let's, let's all stand up. Everybody stand up. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. How many of you know that this earth is going to pass away? All your flowers. All your shrubs. All your green grass that you water all the time. It's gone. That's free. You can have that. No longer any sea. I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem. Everybody say New Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Coming down out of heaven from God. Made ready as a bride. Oh, this is beautiful. God's going to escort his bride. Adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice. If you don't like loud, don't die. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God. The meeting place of God is among men. He will dwell among them. They shall be his people. God himself will be among them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. I did a funeral this week for a three month old little boy. And there were tears and rightfully so but not as those who have no hope. Those parents knew that their child, when a child dies before they reach the age of knowing right from wrong, they go to heaven. That's what we read about in the Bible when David's little boy died and he said, he can't come to me, but I will go to him. And he who sits on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. He said, right For these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. Say that with me. It is done. Read with me from here on in. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What a glorious day is coming. Jesus is coming back and everybody that knows him is going to be caught up to meet him in the air and thus we shall ever be with the Lord. Pray for modern Jerusalem. But thank God for the new Jerusalem that's coming. Amen. Praise his name. Amen. How am I supposed to pray again? I'll give it to you one more time. Pray for Jerusalem's purity. Pray for their prayerfulness. And pray for their prosperity. I was glad, say it with me, when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates 
Oh, Jerusalem. Let's thank God for Jerusalem today. Amen. Mount Zion. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wonderful word. Thank you, Lord God. I pray that every person within the sound of my voice, watching online or whatever they're doing, Lord God, even somebody out in the hallway listening out there, I pray that everybody within the sound of my voice would come to Jesus Christ if they don't know him and be born again. And I pray that we will start praying, if we haven't been, that we'll start praying for Jerusalem and also just praying for the kingdom of God. If you don't know Jesus Christ, now's the time you should receive Him as your Lord and Savior. How do I do that? Through prayer. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Say that with me. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. If you'll pray and receive Christ, He will wash all your sins away. He'll forgive you. He'll send the Holy Spirit to come and live within you. He'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. And He'll walk with you through this life. And when you die, you'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Greatest thing there is. Way more than having money in the bank. Way more than having your house paid for. Way more than having a bunch of friends. You have a friend that sticks closer than a brother when you have Jesus. Would you give your heart to him today? If so, I'd like to lead you in a prayer to repent of your sins, to believe in Jesus, and to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Just like I would lead a young couple in their wedding vows. I want to lead you in a prayer. And when you call upon the name of the Lord, you not, it's not you might be saved. No, you will be saved. Pray something like this. If you don't know the Lord and you want to know Him today, please give your heart to Christ. Pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to become your child. Thank you for touching my heart today. Lord, forgive me for my sins. I repent. I turn. I can't promise you I'll never sin again, but I ask you to forgive me for my sins and help me not to sin. Help me, Lord. I repent. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross to save me, shed his blood that I might be forgiven. And I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe Jesus is alive and in this room right now. I repent and I believe. And now I receive you. Jesus Christ, I call on your name. I receive you. Save me right now. Wash me with your blood. Cleanse me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name 
in the Lamb's book of life. And by grace, I thank you that I am saved. If you prayed that, we want to rejoice with you. Let's keep our heads bowed. I want us to pray right now for Jerusalem. Pray this with me. I'll just say a phrase and we'll all, you'll just repeat it. Heavenly Father, I pray for Jerusalem. I pray for your shalom to be over Jerusalem and over Israel. I pray that many people in Jerusalem today will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be born again. I pray that many Jews and Gentiles will be saved in the land of Israel today. Have mercy on us, O Lord. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, say amen.